Welcome back, Dog Nation. Uh, we are here after the week after a great win over Auburn, and there are some congratulations in order. For the third consecutive year, your Georgia Bulldogs are SEC East champions. And we have a lot to talk about today. And with me, as always, is Keegan Chanel. And me, of course, I'm Chito Chibuye. This is Texas A&M Week, and this is Dogs Off the Leash. Boom. All right. So so we just got a huge win over Auburn. Uh, it hasn't been pretty up to this point, wouldn't you say, Keegan? It really hasn't been, you know, the best season as far as what Georgia fans expected. We, we you know, we did have that loss against South Carolina, but Kirby has found a way to rally this team with what is looking like, in my opinion, and, and I think it's close to, if not the best defense in college football. Um, even with the offense kind of being lackluster at times, it was more than enough to take down a quality team in Auburn, a quality team in Florida, and a quality team in Notre Dame. Just wanted to get some thoughts from you, Keegan, on how you felt watching the Auburn game and, you know, now that we've seen it and had time to look over it, you know, what are some of your takeaways? Well, I think there's things that we can look at and say, hey, these are areas that need improvement. Obviously, the offense it's been kind of the topic of discussion as far as the vulnerability for us. But as far as the game in general, because I saw the Georgia team that matched up with the best defensive line in college football was able to, you know, execute, expose them, and really kind of control the level of dominance and physicality in the game. So I think we did exactly what we wanted to do. I was – at times a little bit frustrated with the pace of the game, but ultimately we won the game. It wasn't pretty sure, but I think that sometimes, especially, you know, me and you are both a little bit removed from playing ball, but, and of course when we played, we didn't have uh, the national media going back and forth about the beauty contest that was our team. And I feel like we're, you know, as fans, it's easy to get a little bit, caught up into the noise and the discussions and uh, the level of conversation that the media talks to is exactly why we started this podcast because, you know, we felt like there was things that they just weren't talking about, that they just weren't even thinking about. And I feel like, you know, there's been an overemphasis on what Georgia doesn't have going on. But if you look at how dominant our defense has been and where we've gone with teams in the season that are, uh, you know, they have elite talent and how we've matched up against them. I feel like outside of the South Carolina loss, Georgia has everything ahead of them, and I'm feeling, like, really good about it. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the game. Of course, there was a couple blemishes, but I felt like we really we made a statement. We played in a, you know, very hostile environment, as hostile as we'll face all season or for the rest of our season. So I was I was overall very pleased. 
and uh, looking forward to this weekend too. So what 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 did you see on the on the field that you thought we uh, we were doing really well? Uh, I couldn't agree more. Given that Auburn's defense is one of the best uh, in the country, especially especially that defensive line and that front seven, um, you know, kind of looking back on the performance, DeAndre uh, Swift did have a good day on the ground. We were we were able to establish the run game, which was a big concern of ours going into the game. Uh, and then for the first three quarters, the offense and Jake Fromm, while they didn't light up the scoreboard, they did what they needed to do. We had what was a 50-yard touchdown to Dominic Blaylock over the middle, attacking the safeties for the first touchdown, uh, and then, you know, uh, a pass in the flats to Brian Herrion, and then a play-action pass to Eli Wolf um, for the touchdown. So Jake Fromm, while his numbers aren't gaudy by any means, uh, he's still he's still performing in the big games when we need him. This wasn't his most efficient game, but three touchdowns uh, is – is what you're going to need, especially in a defensive-minded type of game. And for the first three quarters, we, you know, we we put it on them. We really did. Now, Auburn fans will say, oh, well, pass interference calls and this and that, and we had you in the fourth. Well, well listen, the game consists of four quarters. If you win only one quarter of the four, chances are you're not going to win. And while they put on a really good comeback attempt in the fourth, it was too late by then. Now, our offense really did sputter, and, you know, if it turns out that we play LSU in the SEC championship, which what it looks like, our offense, whether our defense has the best game of their life, our offense is going to have to help them out. So that's a, a problem and a concern before a different day. Today we're SEC East champions, and as we stress, we on this podcast, we stress at the beginning of every season, that is our only goal. Now, would it have been nice to be undefeated and get to the SEC championship? Yeah, because that means we'll probably get into the playoffs almost regardless. But we have that one blemish like we normally do, but I don't want to, I don't want to sound ungrateful. We're there. We've, we've, we've made step one of our goals for the season, and, you know, I'm just looking, I'm looking forward to, you know, finishing it out with a, a win against a good team in Texas A&M and, uh, you know, finishing out with our last rival in Georgia Tech. So uh, moving on to Texas A&M, it will be senior day. We have a lot of uh, seniors on this team, uh, a, lo- a lot of guys that have really helped Kirby, um, you know, all the way back from his transition to his first year till now. Uh, so, you know, while we have a lot of good youth on our team, I think our seniors are definitely deserving of, you know, all the attention that they're going to get. They put out the trailer, which was a really heartfelt trailer about, you know, how these guys, it's a transition leaving college and going to the next step, but at the end of the day, they're dogs for life. And, you know, with that being said, we'll hop into what Texas A&M looks like and kind of our thoughts on them. So, Keegan, I'll let you kind of take over. and Just from what you've understood about Texas A&M up to this point, how, you know, how much of a, uh, a test do you think this is going to be on Saturday? Well, I think that it's going to be a test for a couple of reasons and a uh, really a a test on our defense again. I mean, I don't think by any means we're incapable. I think we're uh, in a great position to pass the test. Uh, of course, we're going against Jimbo Fisher. We know he is a offensive mastermind of sorts. He's got uh, some, you know, some caliber, high caliber seasons to his credit in uh, past history. We know he's got a 
mogul quarterback and uh, Mons, uh, Kellen, is that right? Kellen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and I, you know, I feel like, and they're saying that potentially it could be a, uh, you know, a, kind of a rainy game too. So, you know, that if that's the case, that it's going to be kind of a, could turn out a lot like that Missouri game, or was it, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky, yeah. the Kentucky yeah. game. And uh, so, you know, we just have to be prepared for that. And I think that where we're going with Texas A&M, you know, if you look at who they've lost to, they've lost to some of the teams in the country. So they, we can kind of use this as a measuring stick. And I really think what I like about this game the most is it's a really a final chance to put in, you know, a resume builder. You know, you, you're applying for jobs online. You uh, you want to you want to you know, put things in a pretty perspective. And I feel like this is a great chance for us to come and pour it on them. Now, I'm not saying that we will. I think it will be a relatively competitive ball game. Um, but I do think that this is a, 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 an amazing opportunity for us to kind of silence the doubters. There's a, a, a handful of people in the national media that seem to believe that other teams with one loss like Oregon or Alabama or Utah, or you know, you name it, are are better than Georgia. Um, I've heard the arguments, and really, I'm taking myself outside of my own bias. I mean, you would agree we've had a much more competitive season with who we've played than them, right? And oh, there's no question about it. Yeah, and because of because of that, it's like you know, with this game, if we can really you know come in and get a, a really solid win, I feel like that just kind of solidifies on paper what other people would like to have an opinion about. Because at the end of the day, these other teams didn't come in and win against uh, the caliber of opponents that Georgia has all season. And I just – I like I like that uh, we're kind of, you know, coming into this with a chip on our shoulders. And I don't like that we lost to South Carolina, but I like what it gave this team. And who knows, maybe it took that. You know, let's say we, we win – a shaky game against South Carolina, I don't know if we, we re-examine and, you know, shift some things and, you know, keep driving for improvement like we would have otherwise. So I'm, I'm really uh, – I think that with what Texas A&M brings uh, in a – you know, they have a solid defensive play. They have, uh, you know, the potential to have an explosive offense. We've seen how they've – you know, they shut out Clemson in two quarters in the first and the fourth. Um They've been within, you know, a hair's breadth of Alabama at times. They were able to score 28 points on Bama. Uh, I, I really, you know, I feel like this is the perfect uh, encapsulation for what we can put on the season as far as what we've been able to accomplish. And what I, and also, too, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but some of the fans may not be, you know, Georgia has played Texas A&M uh, in many sports many times at this point by the since their inauguration into the SEC. And, but as far as football goes, this will be the first go at that. So it's a, a historic program. You hear a lot about the 12th man. Of course, we're playing in Athens. But it's going to be a great chance to kind of have these two uh, historic programs match up. And, you know, whether we like it or not, we are competing now with Jimbo Fisher and his elite, you know, his elite recruiter. So we need this win on a recruiting basis, if anything else. So I really – I'm excited to see uh, see what we can do there and maybe to kind of put our stamp on Texas as well as far as a state that we'd like to recruit in. So. 
And to add to your point, to add to your point, um, Jimbo Fisher is a national championship coach. Uh, Texas A&M is unranked right now, but the losses that you that you mentioned that they have, they lost to Clemson when they were number one, Alabama when they were number one, and then they lost to Auburn. So this is definitely a resume builder. It will be a home, which we, we lost to South Carolina, and we can't ignore that. That hurts our resume. But you have to you have to know, or well, you should know if you pay attention, that Kirby and um, Muschamp, Will Muschamp, have known each other since they both played at UGA. They've been on several of the same coaching staffs. They, they know each other's game inside and out. And we lost in double overtime, a game we shouldn't have lost, but when – you are coaching as somebody who knows all of your tendencies. That that's going to happen from time to time. And South Carolina showed up, and, and they made, and, and you know they got the they got the win that day. And there's no denying that. Now, um, you know, Kellen Mond is a dual threat quarterback. So if there is some rain in the forecast, I think that will definitely benefit us um, because that will you know encourage them to run the ball a little bit more, which works in our favor with our stout running defense. Uh, and hopefully that will slow down their, their passing game. Now, um, you know, essentially, as far as the defensive coaches go, I expect them to treat Kellen Mond just like we did when we played Notre Dame and Ian Book. Dual threat quarterback can kill you both on the ground and through the air. Uh, but you have, to, you have to understand Jimbo Fisher is a, is a great game planner and a great uh, play caller. He was actually the one that wanted to hire James Coley away from us prior to this year, and I, I know a lot of people will probably wish he had now, but um, James Coley, he's done enough up to this point. I would love to see a little bit more, but he's done enough up to this point. And if Jimbo wanted him, that says something about him. So, you know, even James Coley Absolutely. should be able to offer a little bit of insight on what James Coley may bring on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I couldn't agree more with you on that. And then I also wanted to mention, before I forget, us winning the SEC East for the third time, consecutive time in a row. Kirby Smart is the first coach to do that since Steve Spurrier back in the, I believe it was like the 94, 95, 96 seasons, maybe 95, 96, 97. But that, if, if you look at the list of coaches, Phil Fulmer's not on that list. Uh, Urban Meyer's not on that list. So Kirby has proven that his, his view on how football should be played it may not be the sexiest, but it works. It's worked for three years in a row with talent that he's recruited, with talent that he inherited. So I think that that kills any question on if Kirby's a great coach, are there some in-game situations he needs to improve on? Yes, we can all agree with that. But uh, you, you guys celebrate the fact that we have done this for three years in a row, and it hasn't been Tennessee, hasn't been Florida, hasn't been Missouri, hasn't been South Carolina. That is an accomplishment in itself. And nothing. And just kind of moving on to the college football playoff rankings, uh, again, this is the resume booster, just showing that we can beat quality teams. Um, we uh, came into this week's ranking at number four again. There wasn't a lot of change uh, in the top seven. Uh, but, you know, for us, really all we're looking for is hopefully for a couple of teams behind us and a few spots behind us to maybe lose a game or so come the final rankings because – because, again, for us, we are considered the best one-loss team, and going into the SEC championship game, we, if, we, if we win the SEC, no doubt we're in. But if we lose, it could be another situation, um, you know, to where 
you know, two loss team, good team. They're gonna they're gonna try to give it to another Pac twelve team, Big Twelve team, Big Ten whoever manages to get that spot. So we need those people behind us to maybe have one questionable loss because losing to LSU is not bad, but since we lost to South Carolina, they will hold that against us. So we have a, a whole lot to play for and a lot to lose. So let's not, you know, in our celebration forget that the season is far from over and we need every win that we can get going into the SEC championship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like the fact that this is, you know, you can really judge a coach by their their full, you know, their their full cycle of coaching. I know locally, um, the high school I graduated from, they had their first winning season in like five years, but it was the very first year. Uh, the, the, the what it was is the senior season of the kids that started in that program as freshmen. So, and I feel like that's just. The same applies in college. You know, that's really how you can judge what a coach is able to do because you're like, okay, you got your guys, the guys that you wanted for your system, your vision in this program for four years, and you're able to kind of like use a measuring stick to see like how it's working. You know, is is the theory uh, meeting, you know, the expectations? And so far it has for Kirby. You know, we got – if you look at it, the freshmen that came in, you know, granted, there's some superstars that Mark Rick had put in place. But if you look at where we've gone, you know, we've got three SEC East uh, championships with the recruiting classes that Kirby has put together. So, it's, you know, it's, it's a great feeling. It's something to uh, not be – not to take for granted. You know, it might not continue forever. But we've really shown dominance in the East, and we've been able to match up with the teams in the West too. So, yeah, I like I like that, and I you know I think that that kind of encapsulates the progress of the program in general. But with what we have this weekend versus Texas A&M, I know I've heard uh, you know a lot of people calling for a blackout. I don't think it's going to happen. I, you know, it seems like Kirby's you know he's not into gimmicks. He he just wants to go out there and play football. And a lot of people don't like that, but I like winning. Ultimately, I think that's a damn you know, Ultimately, I just like winning. You know, all this other stuff is great. You know, the touch of 50 points is great, but if you lose with 50 points, I mean, you, you lost. So, a lot of people want to get mad, but at the end of the day, if you're winning, you're winning. Uh, I feel like with what we got to do this weekend, we have to, you know, come out and make a statement and then just keep moving on, looking ahead. You know, we can't get too caught up in uh, playoff races or Georgia Tech or anything other than what's going on between the hedges Saturday. So, and that's I, the bang I, through, bro. Yeah, and I, I'm feeling uh I'm feeling good about it. I'm 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 happy. You know, I I prefer the problem that we have. I I would be much more worried about Georgia's football chances in the playoff if if we were talking about a superb offense with a mediocre defense that sputters or a defense that's challenged, you know, because we're in a position now where if the defense goes and does their job, if we play our brand of football, we can set, you know, we got, we don't even need a great offense necessarily. We just need build position for a field goal, you know, and a couple of lucky plays, which is, you know, it's not necessarily as flashy as I'm sure either one of us would prefer, probably many of the fans either, but, you know, it's, I think the uh, cliche of defense wins championships 
you know, I think it's a little overdone. But I do think that there's something to that. I think that, you know, defenses control the tone of the game. Defenses can really help play in with time of possession and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the, the shorter your defense is on the field, the longer the other defense is on the field. And I just don't think that many teams have the depth to win that battle. You know, if we're keeping the other defenses on the field all day, they, I just don't think that they, the most teams that we're going to play have the depth or the talent that we have. So, inclu- including LSU for that matter. So, I really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited, and I, I would like to see the offense take that next step because we need to take that next step. Um, so, I'm I'm uh, definitely looking forward to seeing that and, you know, maybe having a talk next week about how great our offense actually was. But as far as, you know, where we're at as a program, as far as where we're at with our, our style of play right now, I can't be any more pleased, honestly. Um, I, love, I love the fact that our defense is uh, the linchpin of our team right now because that's really how it ought to be always. You know, you don't want – you don't want the opposite to be true. And I think that that's something that I, myself and fans need to realize is that if we're talking about a sputtering defense with a superb offense, we would be in a lot, lot more trouble. So, I, you know, I, I like the problems that we have right now. <laughs> They're good problems. Defense wins championship is a cliche, but there's definitely some merit to it. If you look at championship football teams in college and in the NFL, um, over the years. There's definitely some merit to it. Um, and as far as speaking to the UGA faithful, uh, a lot of them have reverted back to the uh, Auburn-LSU game. Uh, Auburn, you know, kept their offense, LSU's offense, I think under 30 points. It may have been 24. Um, and then, you know, they struggled to, to score on the offensive side. So if I'm a coach going into LSU, my game plan is very simple. I'm running the ball, I'm holding possession, I'm keeping Joe Burrow off of the field as much as possible, kicking field goals, scoring touchdowns every time I get an opportunity. And then when the defense comes out there, you make it, you make it hard for them. And the thing about offense, offense is dictated by rhythm. If you can take a, a highly offensive team out of their rhythm, stop them from converting, stop them from hitting their big plays, it, they tend to, you know, sputter on themselves just because we haven't done this before. We haven't seen, we haven't struggled like this. And then usually it takes care of itself. So, you know, that's what tends to happen. Before before we concern ourselves with LSU and their offense, um, you know, again, let's concern ourselves with Texas A&M and and bolster this resume. Uh, And uh, from what it's looking like, just a few updates on UGA uh, on the injury report. It seems like we are getting healthy at the right time. Uh, we did have uh, Tyson Campbell play in a limited capacity against Auburn. Uh, he was splitting reps with uh, DJ Daniel, the JUCO transfer, who played a great, I mean, a great game. So having these options on the defense has really helped us. A lot of people can't name more than one or two players outside of JRE uh, on the defense, and that just goes to show the type of development that, that Kirby has uh, put in place on the defensive side. Uh, our offensive line, we had a couple of key pieces that were banged up in Cade, Mays, and Ben Cleveland. Um, but it looks like those weren't serious injuries, and they should be available uh, not only in practice this week, but in the game tomorrow. And to be quite honest with you, the thing about the injury report for 
the University of Georgia is we have so much depth. If Jamari Sawyer had to come in and fill one of the spots on the front line, that's a five-star offensive lineman, and we would not fall off one bit. So um, you never want to see injuries, but with depth like this, man, it's, it's, it really hasn't been a big concern for us. And, again, that is, that is credit to Kirby Smart himself. And then just real quick before I run through some of these stats on Texas A&M and their offense and defense, uh, since it is senior day, I wanted to go ahead and get, get a, give a shout-out to some of our notable seniors. I apologize if I missed any of your favorite seniors, uh, but Hot Rod, everyone is aware of him. Rodrigo Blankenship has been nothing but a revelation for our team. Rarely do we get on the, other, on the opposing team's side of the field and not score a touchdown or kick. He's up for multiple awards, and he has just been a godsend to the UGA program. Uh, as uh, I mentioned before, J.R. Reed uh, from, you know, a Tulsa transfer, uh, people not knowing who he was, to a captain of the defense and arguably our most important piece, uh, Tyreek McGee, who has stepped in at the star position, at the cornerback position, and has, uh, you know, just filled in whenever needed. Tyler Simmons, uh, wide receiver. Lawrence Cager, who has been a great player for us, and it's probably the reason that we won at least two to three games this season. Uh, the transfer from uh, – graduate transfer from Miami. Uh, same goes for Eli Wolf, a graduate transfer from Tennessee, who caught a touchdown against Auburn. Charlie Warner, uh, legacy, many dog fans. Uh, if you don't know Charlie Warner, you know, you know his family tree. Um, that goes back a long way, and uh, he will definitely be missed. Brian Harrion. Uh, with his amazing catches and just consistency as a running back in our backfield for the last four years, uh, never complaining, waiting for his chances behind NFL running backs that have come through our program, behind DeAndre Swift right now, who will be an NFL great in my mind, no doubt. Um, Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder probably had the most complex journey to his position today as he's one of the leading linebackers in the SEC and on our team. Came in, uh, not a highly rated recruit, started at wide receiver, then they switched him to running back, and then they put him on the defensive side of the field. And I have the most respect for Tay Crowder because I actually had to do the same thing when I played football back uh, in high school. I was, you know, running back all the way up through high school, up to my junior year, uh, my favorite position to play. But uh, one, of my good, one of my good friends, uh, Lance Andrews, you know, he actually had a legit shot. You know, the physical, the physical style, the physical attributes to be a collegiate running back. And you know, for the benefit of the team, you know, I got moved over to a strong side linebacker on defense, and he got to do that. And you know, it, it's a really frustrating thing. Uh, but as when you care about a team, you've got to understand that sometimes somebody's in a better position to play the role that you used to play, and you can help somewhere else. So I have a lot of respect for Trey Crowder and I've been super impressed with his progression thus far. Uh, and then uh, the position on our team that's going to take the biggest hit uh, graduating is going to be the defensive line. Uh, Tyler Clark, David Marshall, uh, Mikhail Carter uh, have all been integral pieces to the depth and the uh, productiveness of our defensive line. Uh, and then also Julian Rochester, but there have been rumors that he is going to red shirt. So I just wanted to take a quick shout-out or take a second to shout out all of the seniors that have made, that have been a part of this three consecutive SEC East championships. Everybody matters on the roster uh, from, from top to bottom, 
first string, second string, third string, and I just wanted to give these guys their due because they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a uh, an amazing journey to watch. Um, it's been quite amazing. Um, I've been impressed. I don't think we could have predicted any anything like it necessarily. I mean, I know we were both pretty excited, and we had mixed feelings about the Kirby hire, but I know that, uh, you know, things have gone particularly well, and We've had we've been in some close games uh, that didn't go our way, but at the end of the day, this class has been right in the the uh, the eyesight of responsibility when it comes to what we've been able to produce. You know, I think a lot of that goes to the talent and the effort that they've displayed on the field, and uh, you know, you know, hats off to Kirby for putting it together and not just getting talented players, but really high character guys that, you know, have the drive and the hunger. I think uh, I think a lot of uh, Georgia's discipline issues that they had for years, you know, had less to do with the coach and more to do with the, uh, the culture and the uh, expectations, which I guess is like, a, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to throw Rick under the bus, but you know what I'm saying? I feel like just our quality of guys, our, uh, our leadership on the team has really been what has set us apart. And it started with, you know, some of those guys like uh, Chubb and Sonny Michelle and just, uh, you know, Andrews, just any of those guys that really set the precedents for, precedents for excellence. But these guys have not only handed off the torch and, uh, you know, they've not only met those expectations, but they've exceeded them. And they've really, you know, laid a foundation for what is to come in Georgia football. So, you know, shout out to those guys. And, you know, the fans won't forget it. Um, I don't I, and I don't think that uh, – I don't think the record books will forget it either because I think that this is, you know, potentially Georgia's year. And I think that our senior class is going to have a big – big part to do with that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I really do believe that. I think that our defense, you know, I've always said if we can control the trenches and have a, you know, one of the elite defenses in the, in the nation, I think that we, we're going to be in that conversation every year. And that's exactly where we're at. You know, we have elite talent in the trenches and our defense is superb. So with that in mind, I think that, you know, a lot of that goes to the credit of the senior class. So, shout out seniors. Hope you guys have a good game on Saturday and go dogs. And it's one thing to, again, for the record books to remember your wins, but uh, I think fans appreciate it even more when you represent the University of Georgia in a respectful manner. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't say that enough about this group of seniors. Uh, and again, I appreciate them as well. Uh, but for my analytics nerds, my stats guys who have hung in there up to this point, I wanted to go ahead and break down, give you the stats for this Texas A&M game. Then we'll throw out a couple of predictions, what we feel like uh, is going to happen this Saturday. Um, so on the offensive side, UGA versus Texas A&M, our total offense is actually they're actually pretty close to even. Uh, Texas A&M actually ranks 43rd with 434 yards per game. Uh, UGA coming in at 47, so just a little bit behind Texas A&M with 429 yards per game. And that, uh, obviously, most people can guess right off the bat, is due to the passing offense. Texas A&M's passing offense is ranked 40th, while UGA is ranked 80th. 
but on the flip side, our run offense is 24th. That is our bread and butter. Texas A&M comes in at 49th. So they're hanging right there in the 40s, but I give the offensive advantage to Texas A&M um, just because of they tend to be a little bit more explosive than we are, so I digress on that. Um, now the turnover margin are also pretty even. We are 41st with a .3 turnover margin per game. Uh, Texas A&M is at a flat zero per game, so if they turn the ball over, uh, they usually create the same amount, uh, and, you know, if they create some, they're giving up some as well, so even there. Now, sacks allowed by the offensive line is one of the first big discrepancies you'll see going through the stats. UGA, this offensive line, which is up for a host of awards, has been nothing short of amazing. UGA is number one in the nation in sacks allowed, uh, while Texas A&M is 84th. Uh, giving up 2.4 sacks per game. So as a coach, if I'm looking at that, taking advantage of that big time. And then jumping over to the defensive side, scoring defense. UGA is second in the nation, giving up only 10.5 per game. Texas a and has actually got a pretty stingy defense as well. Um, they're 23rd, giving up only 20.3 per game. All right? Now run defense, again, we have the advantage at third in the nation. Texas A&M, not too bad. They're under the 40th. They are 36th in the nation. Uh, and then in the past defense, they are about even with us. We are 20th, and they are 27th, making our total defense number six in the nation to their 25th ranking overall. So, again, for people that think, oh, they're not ranked, Texas A&M is not a good team, you're not paying attention. I'm telling you right now, if you think it's going to be a cakewalk, you're, you're not paying attention. I'm almost praying for some rain to slow down the pass game. But this team is well coached, and they have athletes. Look across the NFL. They've had some successful athletes. They've had some unsuccessful athletes. One of their most <laughs> high-profile athletes in uh, Miles Garrett right now is in the news for all the wrong reasons for <laughs> trying to kill a man with a helmet. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's one thing. But Mike Evans, for you fantasy guys out there, how's he doing for your NFL How's he doing for your fantasy roster this year? Texas A&M has talent. A lot of us remember Johnny Manziel, Christian Kirk playing for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, listen, these guys can play. Texas is Texas is up there. If not, if not, we surpassed them a little while ago, or they're still above us. As far as high school talent goes, um, if you're talking high school football. You, there's four states that you're always going to hit no matter what. It's California, Texas, Georgia, and Florida. Now, that changes from year to year who's on top, but those four states are always heavy hitters. So please, please, please do not sleep on Texas A&M. Um, they are a great team and, again, well-coached. So, uh, Keegan, I'm going to let you take a shot at a prediction. Then I will follow up, and, uh, yeah, then we'll, we'll hang it up and see if we can get this win against A&M on Saturday. Well, I'm going to go towards the side of optimism here because I've seen Georgia start slow almost every game this season, it seems like, uh, especially against good opponents. So I'm hoping Georgia does not start slow. They get off on the board early. Um, I see Texas A&M making a push towards the end of the game, but I think we're going to – I honestly believe we're going to handle this. I think that Georgia comes out on top 31-10 with maybe two – Two or three, uh, what's the math on that? I don't know, however many field goals that is, but I think, you know, 
hopefully, hopefully we have some more production. Um, we don't need Rodrigo as much, but I just I think it's going to be a little bit more of the same with hopefully a little bit better start. And then yeah, go thirty-one ten. Thirty-one ten. Uh, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow your your kind of uh, your mindset there. I'm going to go with a couple field goals for Rodrigo, uh, and then I'm going to give Georgia three touchdowns. Um, probably two on the ground, one passing. I'm going to go 27 UGA, hoping that it rains and slows down Texas A&M just a bit with our defense. I'm going to go 17 Texas A&M, so 10-point win, 27-17, dogs on top to bolster that resume. Uh, Going into uh, a clean, old-fashioned hate rivalry to end the season. Amen. Sounds good, man. Hopefully we got it. I know that uh, we're favored, you know, 13 and a half points. So. Yeah, 13 and a half, almost 14. So uh, I don't know how many times we've covered the spread this year, but to hell with the spreads. Uh, I just want a W. If it's by one, if it's by 30, I could care less. Same. Or half a point if they do that for once. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Whatever. But, yeah, man, well, I'm excited for the game. I know you guys out there are excited to, you know, kind of see where this season ends up and uh hopefully you guys are watching uh safely don't be drinking and driving out here we don't want to see you on the news uh no bueno but anyway go dogs and thanks for joining us love you guys dog nation let's get ready for this sec championship game and uh, as always we love you guys and this is dogs off the leash Sure, you can't do it. I do it for the dogs.